Welcome to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. We are happy that you are along on this ride with us. It's never fun to go completely by yourself. I'm glad we have friends to come with. It's like we're going on a road trip through the Bible and y'all are in the back seat and we're just kind of... I don't even think we're driving necessarily. Like we're in the front seat. God is it's driving. It's like a tour bus. It is kind of like a tour bus. We'll go with that. And we're kind of the directors, yes. the MCs of the tour the bus. The entertainment. The entertainment. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows that. <laughs> you were I, made for such a time as this. <laughs> I love a good, fun suit coat or, you know, just mm-hmm. anything to bring a smile. I had a couple really good conversations with people today that literally stopped what they were doing, came up to me and just said, Hey man, I love the suit coats that you wear. They always make me smile and it's just fun. And just thank you for bringing that. And that's why I do it just to bring that little measure of joy in some unique way and make an impact and impression uh, and hopefully leave a good taste in someone's mouth on the interaction that we've had together. Right, and I think that you do. It's a lot of fun for me to watch those. It starts to catch me off guard because I've grown so accustomed (laughs) to your colorful wardrobe that I don't even bat an eye. I don't even notice it until I notice that people are staring or trying to take pictures. We've we've caught a few people taking some funny pictures and I'll like turn around (laughs) at the wrong moment or the right moment. Yes, and they're horrified, but we're like, no, we encourage and you're always kind and generous with them and we get a picture for them. I've often said, don't take a picture of me, take a picture with with me. me. Absolutely. That's way more memorable. Yes. So if you see this guy out in public and you want a picture, just ask. We're all about some pictures. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we love sharing a little bit of joy and love and encouragement with somebody in the most unexpected ways. Yeah, and if it if it comes through a fun suit coat, that's where it comes through. If it comes through a hat or a bow tie or the world needs joy it badly. Does need joy. Yeah. Badly. So Father God, just invade our hearts and minds with some joy today. Leave mm-hmm. us joyous. Just be in this space with us as you promise that you are. Be in the space with whoever's listening because You've promised us that wherever two or more are gathered, and if someone's listening, that means it's two or more. So that means you're going to be not only here with us, you're going to be there with them as well. So bless everyone that's hearing this message right now. You know exactly who needs to hear it and the words that are going to make an impact on their life. So bless them, Father. Bless us. And thank you so much for just creating us in this day. I ask this all in your holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. And we are getting started today in Matthew. We're going to go back to the original reading schedule because Heidi really wanted to read Psalm 23. Yes, I am. I I did not pre-read this. I do not know how the message is going to paraphrase it, and I am eager for it's it. It's beautiful. I I have a running video on YouTube that I actually read Psalm 23 in the message version, and I had the running video just catching the scenery around and i was in california and they had just had a wildfire like less than a month before this 
and it was so eerie in some places, but it really just reminded me of that walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And um, when I when I saw that video again, it just spoke to me in such a way to to read it with that psalm, and I thought it turned out pretty good. All right, so Matthew 10. The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the ripe fields. He gave them power to kick out the evil spirits and to tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. And that's going to get me weepy from the get-go. God has continued to show me through this reading in the message. And for that, Eugene Peterson, I can't tell you. This sister in Christ of yours is so thankful for what you did because it's been a powerful thing in my life. And the way you show how much God has a heart for the hurting is just a blessing to my soul. Get a couple tears taken care of and on we go. This is a list of the 12 he sent. Simon, they called him Peter or Rock, Andrew, his brother, James, Zebedee's son, John, his brother. Was that James and John? Was Zebedee the old man in the boat that mm-hmm. they kind of left him with? the? That's mm-hmm. it, yep. Yep. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax man, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, who later turned on him. Jesus knew when he chose him. And the thing is, Judas had that entire time to choose Jesus Yes, he did. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. <laughs> oh boy, I've got so many things going He's, through my mind right now. This is God saying, get out of the way of yourself. I know, just stop to, trying to obedient. have all the details taken yeah. care of before you say yes to me. Just go. Yeah. I've already got the details handled. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day travel light. When you enter a town or village, don't insist on staying in a luxury inn. Get a modest place with some modest people and be content there until you leave. When you knock on a door, be courteous in your greeting. If they welcome you, be gentle in your conversation. If they don't welcome you, quietly withdraw. Don't make a scene. Shrug your shoulders and be on your way. You can be sure that on Judgment Day, they'll be mighty sorry. But it's no concern of yours now. Stay alert. This is hazardous work I'm assigning you. You're going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack. So don't call attention to yourself. Be as shrewd as a snake, inoffensive as a dove. Don't be naive. Some people will question your motives. 
others will smear your reputation just because just because you believe in me don't be upset when they haul you before the civil authorities without knowing it they've done you and me a favor given you a platform for preaching the kingdom news and don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it the right words will be there the spirit of your father will supply the words beautiful chapter when god calls you and i'm promising you you will know when god is calling you because it'll be an idea that you can't let go of and you can't get away from it even if it sounds crazy and it will be confirmed over and over and other people will see it and um and i promise you you're probably going to feel like you're not ready you're going to probably feel like you need a little more time you're going to need some training you're going to try and make plans let's see if financially we can do this god will pass you by and he'll find somebody who will literally just say yes i believe in that yeah we've we tested that and god said to we're finding that god is a keeper of promises absolutely he has been there right along with us this entire journey mm-hmm. Now we're going to bounce forward just a little bit to Acts chapter 15. As always, we'll have the text listed down below that we're reading out of, but this will be Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. It wasn't long before some Jews showed up from Judea insisting that everyone be circumcised. If you're not circumcised in the Mosaic fashion, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas were up on their feet at once in fierce protest. The church decided to resolve the matter by sending Paul, Barnabas, and a few others to put it before the apostles and the leaders in Jerusalem. After they were sent off and on their way, they told everyone they met as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria about the breakthrough to the non-Jewish outsiders. Everyone who heard the news cheered. It was terrific news. When they got to Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas were graciously received by the whole church, including the apostles and leaders. They reported on their recent journey and how God had used them to open things up to the outsiders. Some Pharisees stood up to say their piece. They had become believers but continued to hold to the hard party line of the Pharisees. You have to circumcise the pagan converts, they said. You must make them keep the law of Moses. The apostles and leaders called a special meeting to consider the matter. The arguments went on and on, back and forth, getting more and more heated. Then Peter took the floor. Friends, you know well that from early on, God made it quite plain that he wanted the pagans to hear the message of this good news and embrace it. And not in any second-hand or roundabout way, but first-hand, straight from my mouth. And God, who can't be fooled by any pretense on our part, but always knows a person's thoughts, gave them the Holy Spirit exactly as he gave him to us. He treated the outsiders exactly as he treated us, beginning at the very center of who they were and working from that center outward, cleaning up their lives as they trusted and believed in him. So why are you now trying to out-God God? 
loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us too. Don't we believe that we are saved because of the Master Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity moved to save us just as he did those from beyond our nation? So what are we arguing about? Mm. There was dead silence. No one said a word. With the room quiet, Barnabas and Paul reported matter-of-factly on miracles and wonders God had done among other nations throughout their ministry. The silence deepened. You could hear a pin drop. James broke the silence. Friends, listen. Simeon has told us the story of how God at the very outset made sure that racial outsiders were included. This is in perfect agreement with the words of the prophets. After this, I'm coming back. I'll rebuild David's ruined house. I'll put all the pieces together again. I'll make it look like new so that outsiders who seek will find, so that they'll have a place to come to, all the pagan peoples included in what I am doing. God said it, and now he's doing it. It's no afterthought. He's always known that he would do this. So here is my decision. We're not going to unnecessarily burden non-Jewish people who turn to the master. We'll write them a letter and tell them, be careful to not get involved in activities connected with idols, to guard the morality of sex and marriage, to not serve food offensive to Jewish Christians, blood, for instance, This is basic wisdom from Moses, preached and honored for centuries, now in city after city as we have met and kept the Sabbath. And that is the end of Acts, where we're reading today. Mm. I love how he's saying, why are you trying to out-God God, loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors? And crushed us too. Well, what did I underline <laughs> I in didn't, my big print Bible? I didn't, and you even, didn't know. even know. <laughs> but it's it's so refreshing. Go ahead with what your thoughts were. I mean, oh, I was. I love that you hit on that one because that's what. I mean, I literally he was reading, and I'm like, I need to find it. You probably heard me paging through my Bible, and yeah. So why are you now trying to out God? God loading new believers down with rules, rules, and we often call it legalism. And new believers don't need that. We don't, none of us need that. Nobody needs it. But it goes on. Don't we believe that we are saved because the master Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity moved to save us just as he did those from beyond our nation. Don't think of it just as nation. Think of it others outside of our church or outside of our neighborhood or outside of our country. Mm-hmm. We are so close-minded sometimes. Humans, they just love to argue, 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 argue. And that's not what Jesus wants in his family. And church should not be an endless go-round of arguing petty differences that don't mean anything. Amen to that. 
the only time I like arguing is with you <laughs> when um, when we argue about how much I really love you. Oh, I love you more, though. I love you more There's than... There's no way possible no. you could ever possibly love me more. I love you the mostest. I love you the mostest I love you to infinity mostest. Oh, I'm infinity and beyond. <laughs> Take that. And so with that... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you had to hear that. And with that, we're going to be rewinding back to the Old Testament. And Heidi will be picking up on a good old favorite, Psalm yes. 23. And then after she reads that, I'm going to go in and read what Eugene Peterson had put in just as an expose kind of on Psalm 23. It's very cool. Yes. Chances are very good. My eyes will be brimming with tears it started in my last reading, but oh man, I just feel God pouring into me this knowledge that I'm finding and I'm just mm. longing for now. I, I want to know this. Psalm 23, let's get ready to hear it in a fresh new paraphrase. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. Here we go. <laughs> you revive my drooping head. My cup, it brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it is a beautiful psalm, and I love how Eugene Peterson broke it down a little bit and hear it this caused me to look at psalm 23 in a different way the objective center of this psalm is the shepherd who is god the shepherd figure dominates the psalm and is constant throughout but the emotional center of the psalm is death valley it is the experience of this dark and foreboding valley that has led the psalmist to a deeper and fuller experience with the shepherd the first part of the psalm, verses 1 through 4, sees the shepherd in relation to his sheep. Left to themselves, the sheep wander aimlessly into danger. They need a shepherd. The psalmist has experienced the activity of God in his life as a sheep would a shepherd's. He has been guided away from the ravines of deep shadows where death lurks and has been led to a little hollows where water and grass make life possible and safe. The second part of the psalm, verses 5 through 6, continues with the dominating figure of the shepherd, but exchanges that of the sheep for that of a fugitive. In ancient nomadic culture, if a person's life was in danger, he or she fled to the desert. In that culture, a murderer would be hunted down until found. The desert was home for the fugitive, but it was a horrible home, a home of fear danger, and exposure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my mm. enemies, verse 5. That's the fugitive speaking. Threatened by the past, 
menaced by the curse of blood revenge, the fugitive is welcomed into the shepherd's tent. And there, surrounded by enemies, the fugitive is served a meal. In the shepherd's tent, even the fugitive is safe. For the sheep in danger of death, which skulks in the valley like shadows, the shepherd is a guide. For the fugitive hunted down by stalkers, the shepherd is a protective host. The shepherd provides both guidance and grace, guidance for the wandering sheep and grace for the guilty fugitive. And that should be a comfort to all of us, however deep the valley that we find ourselves in, or however dark the shadows. Eugene Peterson, if you were here on this earth still, we would send you a message and say thank you so much for your wise words and just how you bring so much richness to verses that I've had memorized. I've probably have heard Psalm 23 a thousand times. And so, but to hear it now this way, and then to hear it broke down just a little bit, it uh, does bring a different richness to it. I think Eugene Peterson said yes to God when he wrote this. Mm. God wants his word brought to everyone in a way that they can understand. I think Eugene said yes yeah. to God. He really angered some people. <laughs> and it's I'm funny saying, how how, how uptight people get over the message version. Yes. Really. It is it's, stunningly beautiful. It's just reading through this book and our intent with this whole thing is just to inspire you to open up your Bible. Maybe hear something that you haven't heard and say, I want to look that up. So that's the whole motive behind this. So if you feel right now that you've been baited and switched because <laughs> we're getting you to open your Bible, then we call that mission accomplished. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> At the end of the day, we just want everybody, including ourselves, to know Jesus better. better. Amen. I'm glad we're on the same page with yes. that better. We're we didn't going even in practice the same that. Direction. We didn't even practice though. We had that. Nice job, husband. I'll be ending today in Genesis chapter 50. This is the last chapter in Genesis. Oh. So let's see how we end here. Okay. Joseph threw himself on his father, wept over him, and kissed him. Joseph then instructed the physicians in his employ to embalm his father. The physicians embalmed Israel. The embalming took 40 days, the period required for embalming. There was public mourning by the Egyptians for 70 days. When the period of mourning was completed, Joseph petitioned Pharaoh's court. If you have reason to think kindly of me, present Pharaoh with my request. My father made me swear, saying, I'm ready to die. Bury me in the grave plot that I prepared for myself in the land of Canaan. Please give me leave to go up and bury my father. Then I'll come back. Pharaoh said, Certainly, go and bury your father as he made you promise under oath. So Joseph left to bury his father, and all of the high-ranking officials from Pharaoh's court went with him. All of the dignitaries of Egypt joining Joseph's family, his brothers and his father's family. Their children and flocks and herds were left in Goshen. Chariots and horsemen accompanied them. It was a huge funeral procession. Arriving in the Atad threshing floor just across the Jordan River, they stopped for a period of mourning, letting their grief out in loud and lengthy lament. 
For seven days, Joseph engaged in these funeral rites for his father. When the Canaanites who lived in that area saw the grief being poured out at the Atad threshing floor, they said, Look how deeply the Egyptians are mourning. That is how the site at the Jordan got the name Abel Mizram, Egyptian Lament. Jacob's sons continued to carry out his instructions to the letter. They took him into Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah facing Mamre, the field that Abraham had bought as a burial plot from Ephron the Hittite. After burying his father, Joseph went back to Egypt. All of his brothers who had come with him to bury his father returned with him. After the funeral, Joseph's brothers talked amongst themselves. What if Joseph is carrying a grudge and decides to pay us back for all the wrongs that we did to him? So they sent Joseph a message. Before his death, your father gave this command. Tell Joseph, forgive your brother's sin, all that wrongdoing. They did treat you very badly. Will you do it? Will you forgive the sins of the servants of your father's God? When Joseph received the message, he wept. Then the brothers went in person to him, threw themselves on the ground before him, and said, We will be your slaves. Joseph replied, Don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. Easy now, you have nothing to fear. I'll take care of you and your children. He reassured them, speaking with them heart to heart. Joseph continued to live in Egypt with his father's family. Joseph lived 110 years. He lived to see Ephraim's sons into the third generation. The sons of Maker, Manasseh's sons, were also recognized as Joseph's. Do you notice what he did here? Hmm. Joseph's father adopted Ephraim and Manasseh yes. as his sons, but Manasseh the older was put behind Ephraim. So Joseph adopted Manasseh's son as his own so they would inherit ah, as Joseph's very sons. interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, just reading through that again, I see that. Very interesting. Thank you for that. Yes. At the end, Joseph said to his brothers, I am ready to die. God will most certainly pay you a visit and take you out of this land and back to the land he so solemnly promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel promise under oath, When God makes his visitation, make sure you take my bones with you as you leave here. Joseph died at the age of 110 years. They embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. And that's the end of chapter 50. There is a little pause here from Eugene again. It says, We can see ourselves in the story of Joseph and his brothers. Like Joseph's brothers, we have rejected the one who is to rule over us. That rejection may have taken place many years ago, or it may have taken place yesterday. But we can't live happily with the rejection. Guilt tears us apart and makes us restless. Then famine comes and we're forced to seek food. Our search is blind, and yet in our blindness, God moves us to seek after him. Finally, we come face to face with him again and discover that he is the one we rejected once before. 
We need help, but we're fearful that he will punish us for our past. What should we do? We would do well to fall before him in fear and trembling the way that Joseph's brothers fell before Joseph. And when we do that, the marvelous word of God comes to us personally, extending a hand of Mm. grace and raising us to our feet in full forgiveness. How beautiful. 1,500 years passed between the time Joseph's coffin was put to rest in Egypt and the time that our Lord was born in Bethlehem and another 2,000 years since then. The only thing that has changed in that time is that God's way of salvation, which worked hidden and secret in Joseph and his brothers, has become open and exposed Mm -hmm. in Christ. God saved Joseph from opposition, temptation, and defeat so that he could save his brothers. God saved Jesus, who also spent time in Egypt fleeing from the wrath of Herod so that he could save us. Oh, Oh, the twists and the turns that all point to God is a keeper of promises. I love the little things, though, like you had uh, found there with him adopting his grandson. Yes. Yes, that would have been his oldest son. I wonder how that will play in the future. So we'll have to remember that Mm -hmm. name. We'll have to write that name down. Right, to see if it does. I feel like we need a whiteboard. I know, we need to keep track of all these. We need a big whiteboard with all these little... Like all the crime shows. They have the big board hanging there with with all the the lines and the the strings. Yes, we could so do that. If we do that, we'll post a picture. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) And friends, that's the end of our journey today. We appreciate you just being along on this journey through the message. If you have any questions or comments, we don't claim to know it all, Mm -mm. but we do claim to have a heart and passion for people. And if you come to us with something, we'll do our absolute best or we'll try to find somebody who can answer your question. We do know some people who I'm sure would help us come to the right answer. And we are, generally, we're humble enough to ask them. Oh, for sure. We are (laughs) asker of questions. No problem. And that's the journey through the message is asking questions, being inquisitive, finding out why do I believe what I believe? It's theology. It is. Conversations about God. And we'll see you next time on a journey through the message. I can't wait. Have a good night.